All right, well, good evening or afternoon, whatever it is here. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I work for Everance Financial. It's the kind of stewardship arm of MCUSA. Um, I've been working for them for eight years now. And one of the pleasures I get is once in a while getting to travel to different churches and meetings and otherwise to, to share a little bit about what I've been learning in, in the text. Um, my undergrad is actually in biblical studies, so studying the ancient texts and trying to better discern what did that mean then, so how can we better understand it now is, is a, sort of a side passion for me. So um, Matthew 6, uh, th this, this passage is like uh, Chris said, part of the Sermon on the Mount, which if you're looking for some, some good wisdom and good things to kind of reframe your brain, um, reflecting on Matthew 5 through 7 on a regular basis is something I definitely encourage. But um, this section is, uh, is kind of, um, you know, confusing maybe, right? So you, you have this first section, which is like, you know, don't store up for your treasures here on earth. And then this thing about the eye of the, is the lamp of the body. And, you know, if your eye is light or dark, it'll be light, really light or really dark. And then finishes with, you can't serve two masters, you know, for you'll love the one and hate the other. And um, if you're like me growing up, the, the first and the third sections kind of make sense, right? Like, don't store up yourselves treasures on earth, you know? Don't make wealth your, your primary goal in life, or don't make, you know, comfort and convenience your, your dream. And, you know, if you do, you can't serve God in, in the full way, right? You can't really go and, and love money and love wealth and love God and your neighbor well, right? They're, they're kind of juxtaposed. But then there's this piece about the eye being full of light or full of darkness. And if you're like me, you're like, I have no idea what Jesus is saying here. Like, what, what is this? What is going on? It's got to do with money, right? Because the, the preceding and the latter are both about money. But, but what are we looking at? And um, so if we look at the Hebrew text that Jesus draws much of his inspiration from, um, we actually see that there's a number of places throughout the Old Testament where we see the eye being sort of this place of how do we view the world? Do we view it um, through this dark eye or this light eye? It's, it's, a, it's an ancient Hebrew kind of idea. And uh, one of the first and, and really interesting places we see this is uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, where if you know the story of ancient Israel, you have you know, Abraham being called, eventually getting into Egypt, Joseph, you know, all that, and then slavery, captivity, God brings Moses along to deliver the people, and then they're out in the wilderness, and they're all complaining, like, what do we do? Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. Like, it would be actually better for us to be in Egypt being in slavery, right? And uh, so there's a lot of things they're working out as far as what does it look like to be a new people group. And so Moses is, you know, convening with God, Yahweh, and, and asking for wisdom on how do we determine what does it look like to be a people set apart? What does it look like to be this holy people that you've called us to be? And so that's basically what we get in uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is sort of this working out of what does it look like to be this people group? What are the laws that differentiate us from other ancient cultures? What are the, the types of practices that we might want to consider? And so uh, one of these really interesting practices um, has to do with how people treat each other economically, right? How do we treat debt? How do we treat the widows and the orphans in our community? How do we think about what does it look like when we were once slaves? How do we make sure no one else becomes a slave again? And so there's this, this passage in Deuteronomy 15 where uh, Moses is saying, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren, 
within any of the gates in the land in which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open wide your hand and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever that might be. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cries out to the Lord against you, and then it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all the works in which you put your hand. So kind of an interesting thing. There's a couple things going on here. So um, one of the things you might have heard is in the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. So one of these ancient practices was every seven years you had to forgive all the debts that were owed to you. So this idea was, you know, again, poor land conditions or a famine or a crop failure or something like that wouldn't put you in a position to be a slave for the rest of your life. So your land fails, you sell your land to your neighbor and they, you know, help you out, they give you a loan, maybe they let you work the land, but you're then their day laborer. Um, so God doesn't want a bunch of day laborers and a few wealthy landholders. He wants everyone to have their own ownership. And so here in this section, apparently there was an issue with people lending and borrowing when they knew the seventh year was coming up, right? So if your poor brother is, is running into financial trouble and he's coming to you, you know, six years and five months in, you know in seven months you're going to have to forgive whatever debt he, he, he borrows from you, right? So it's sort of this, you know, don't let that wicked thing in your heart go. Don't let your eye become evil towards your poor brother and, you know, tighten your fist against him, but surely you will willingly lend him whatever he needs, or otherwise it will become sin among you and he might cry out to the Lord against you. And what's interesting about that whole crying out against you piece is, uh, do you know what the Israelites were doing while they were in Egypt a lot? They were crying out to the Lord to save them, to deliver them from the oppression. And it's the same Hebrew word, this word cry, both in Egypt and here in this verse. That, you know, if you are being cried out against you, you are acting as an oppressor. You are becoming a new pharaoh, um, becoming stingy and selfish and hoarding what you want and trying to build your own little empire. Uh, but that's not what God desires for this ancient Israelite community. He desires a group full of people that have ownership, they have stake in their land, that they're not just day laborers, they're not thrown into poverty, they're not just left to their own devices. And there are a number of laws uh, in the ancient world about not charging interest on debt that you offer your, your Israelite neighbor. Or there's laws about gleanings where you could maybe go through your vineyard more than once or twice and collect all the olives and grapes and everything. But God says, no, don't do that. Leave a corner of your field. Leave uh, a gleaning for the widows and the orphans who don't have rights to land, who don't have the ability to produce for themselves. So make sure that they don't starve, right? Make sure that they have enough and that they're, they're cared for. So all that to say, um, this whole idea of the eye full of darkness or the eye full of light has a lot to do with how we view the resources we have, how we view the goodness in the world, um, and what, those, what role that plays in how we act towards our neighbors. Um, so uh, an eye full of darkness uh, can be a view where, where everything is seen as, as a piece of a pie, right? There's only so much pie, there's only so much goodness, there's only so much joy, so if something really good is happening to you and not to me, 
Maybe I'm feeling envious or jealous or frustrated. Why is everything good happening to them? They don't even deserve it. Like, why, why would God bless them and not me when I'm being faithful or I'm doing all the right things? Um, it can be really hard to celebrate with others uh, when, we, when we have this dark eye. But contrasted with this eye full of light, we can see uh, an abundant God or uh, an undivided God, right? God is one. He cannot be divided. He's not two or split or separated. Um, that there is a divine flow that comes in waves, and it comes in large amounts sometimes and maybe smaller amounts sometimes. But we trust and know that this God is an abundant God who's infinite. Uh, another parable to, to sort of draw this out is... Uh, in a different part of uh, the Gospels, Jesus teaches about an owner who, who pays everyone equally as he hires them throughout the day. And if you remember this story, so this landowner goes out in the morning, hires a bunch of day laborers, and then goes out again in the morning, hires more later morning, early afternoon, at the end of the day, and then he's settling up his accounts with all of them, and he pays them all the same. And uh, maybe you can imagine your own version of how you might feel if you were, you know, one of the people that was hired in the morning. You might feel a little incredulous towards this landowner uh, that you would pay somebody else the same as, as you're paying me when I worked all day. Um, but what's really interesting is the owner's response. He says, are you envious because I'm generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? And so I think next time we're, we're worried about our situation or the good that's happening for others or the things that we feel like maybe we deserve that other people don't deserve that, that they're getting, we just ask ourselves, are we being envious because God is generous? So, um, yeah, there's, there's a divine flow to these things. There's anxiety in life that comes with money and, and how all these things go. But uh, my encouragement today is to think about what does it look like to have an eye full of light, to see God as an abundant God, that there is ample resources, there is enough if we can share it around, there is enough if we don't let our eyes be hardened and hearts hardened towards each other um, or towards our, our poorer brothers and sisters around the world even. Um, so yeah, how do we focus on what others need, not just what we want in life? How do we make sure that we don't live so frugally as well that we lose our eyeful of light. So sometimes in Mennonite circles, I don't run into this, uh, you know, extravagant living issue or something like that. I run into people who are like so detailed about their money that they're like almost cut off from being able to give generously because they're so focused on having enough or utilizing every little bit just perfectly or something like that. Um, and so I think, you know, we have to be careful that when there are seasons of less that we don't just get caught up in this sense of scarcity even as the flow kind of widens out and we can be more generous and we can give more even now. Um, so, yeah, giving our time, our talents, our money to things that matter will bring satisfaction in life in ways that just hoarding and, and building up for ourselves never will. Um, and then my sort of challenge for you is also to, to intentionally celebrate with others. So when, when something good does happen in somebody else's life, you know, maybe you don't feel exactly excited for them in that moment, but challenge yourself and push yourself to say, I'm excited for you, or, you know, I'm really glad that that happened to you. Um, you know, celebrating them and encouraging them, and maybe it'll be through gritted teeth at first, you know, if you're really like, this is kind of my rival at work or something, and I'm frustrated, but, you know, I am so happy for you. 
Um, practicing it might be hard at first, but uh, eventually helps us to continue to build in practices that help us see with, with an eye full of light. So uh, as you go about your life and, and thinking about uh, your money and the resources in the world, the, the goodness in life, the joy, the things that you might desire for yourself, um, when it gets frustrating and you're looking at others and, and wanting to be envious or jealous, uh, just remember to ask yourself, like God asks the uh, tenant, own, tenant workers that he hires, you know, are you being envious because I'm generous? Uh, I think that's a, a good reflection. Or am I being envious because God is generous? So thank you for, for, for the word here.